Come on, son, 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 son. son. <laughs> Raphael on the track. Come on, son. Hey y'all, this is Ed Lover. Welcome to Come On Son, the podcast. Come on, son. Thank y'all for joining me, man. Wherever you are, if you if you just downloaded it or you rocking with it, I really appreciate it. Today I want to talk about something that's really important. It's it's mental health with black people and especially mental health with black men. In consideration of what's been going on with Kanye West lately, and we all hope that, t- that Kanye gets better. Um, I wanted to talk about black mental health and why we don't talk about black mental health amongst men in the uh, African-American community. I mean, you know that Kanye West is going through something very serious. Uh, He's been in the hospital for over a week. Uh, On November 21st, he was hospitalized after a reported meltdown at his personal trainer's house. The hospitalization came after the star abruptly canceled the last 21 dates of his St. Pablo tour. He's been struggling with paranoia and is not stable. Um... They say he's mentally exhausted from the nonstop touring to work on his fashion and sneaker lines, plus the anniversary of the death of his mom, mother, Donda West, on November 10th is the same day that he went into the hospital. And the recent robbery involving a recent the recent robbery involved incident with his wife, Kim Kardashian West. He's not the only person in the African-American community to suffer from some type of mental illness. Uh, You got Kid Cudi who had checked himself into a rehabilitation facility. Chris Brown. In 2014, Chris Brown was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder, which is the same thing that these soldiers come back from war with. You got Meta World Peace, former basketball star known as Ron Artest, diagnosed with a mental illness and has decided to help others who suffer from similar conditions. Sports commentator Terry Bradshaw, winner of four NFL Super Bowl championships. Okay, you have other people like Delonte West, all right, allegedly battles with bipolar disorder. DMX, okay, went to Dr. Phil to talk talk about his struggles with mental illness. Uh, You got Hall of Famer Daryl Strawberry, okay, the continuous mental and physical abuse that he had led to the All-Star going into a state of depression, and it was untreated for years. Let's talk about one of my good friends, Chris Lighty, who committed suicide. Let's talk about another one of my good friends, Shakia Stewart, who committed suicide. And rest in peace, recently I just lost a friend that I grew up from a, with a, that lived directly across the street from me by the name of Craig Tillman, who committed suicide. This is always something going on with black men and mental health and we do not talk about it. We don't discuss it. It's taboo. We weren't raised that way. It is something that's been going on in our community for a very, very, very long time. And it's the subject that I want to approach, that I want to discuss, that I want to get into today right here on this. Come on, son. It's the podcast, y'all. So I'm bringing into the studio with me today noted psychologist, minister, Good friend of mine, Dr. Tart, is going to come in and we are going to talk about mental health with black people, mental health with men, especially how it affects you, how it affects your relationships, how it affects everything that you do, because this is something that we do not talk about. We don't talk about black mental health. We don't even like to express our feelings. We really don't, fellas, admit to it. 
What do you say all the time? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. But you really don't express what's really going on inside of you. A lot of us suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. We've seen too many people killed. And in the in the span of four years, I lost a lot of people. I lost I lost one of my good friends from the live squad, Tretch, a year to uh, Tretch, Stretch, excuse me. I'm getting mumbling my words. Y'all have to excuse me. I lost my good friend Stretch a year to the day that he was in the studio with Tupac when he got robbed in New York City. Okay? Lost him. Lost Pac. Lost Big. Back to back to back. It had an effect on me. I compartmentalized that and never really, really, really let my emotions out or let my emotions show. We cried for a little while. Yeah, we'll go to the funeral and awake and cry, but we never really deal with it. So today, Dr. Tart is going to come in and we are going to talk black mental health right here on Come On, Son, the podcast. That's coming up in a minute, y'all. Come on, son, son. Hey, y'all, like I told y'all, man, this this uh, uh, mental health in black men is very important for us to dig a little deeper into it. So a good friend of mine, Dr. Tart, decided to come by and, and, and share some stuff with us. He's a psychologist, media host, speaker, author, and minister. And um, he's here with me today. And let's let's talk a little bit about mental health in black men. All right. Why, why is it that as black men, we are so afraid to speak up about mental health issues? Well, we think that any talking about any weakness of ours means that we're weak. And so a lot of times and what men see, uh, suck it up, be a man, don't cry, no need to cry with spill spill milk. A lot of men don't get permission and they don't see models. Mm. What they see is what they'll be. You tell me a model of what you've seen growing up, Ed, with a man actually sharing his emotions. Not at all. All right. Not at all. From my dad, from my uncles, from my older brothers. I grew up in a family, you know, with my dad and my two older brothers. And and I was always taught to suck it up. I was always taught to be a man. I was always taught that crying is for girls. I was always taught, like, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you for lack of a better term, why are you acting like a pussy? Why are you, what's, what's going on with you? That's not the way we act. That's not the way we do things so that was my experience growing up right and until you a lot of times until you start dating and you realize that your girlfriend needs you to communicate your feelings you have to find that language a lot of men are not taught how to express emotions Mm -hmm. a lot of men don't know how to say you know i feel frustrated i feel insecure I feel depressed. We know how to say disrespected and mad. Those yeah, well, like yeah. Two blanket oh, yeah, emotions. I'm mad. I'm <laughs> da- I feel like you're disrespecting me. Right, but underneath that is, you know, I feel a little un- insecure right now. I mean, you're out. Oh, my I'm God. not working. Oh These other God. guys are. Uh, uh, how did you, I, I looked at your credit card statement. I didn't see any 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 uh, drinks. on. Who bought you drinks? Right. We, we spaz all yes. the way out. Instead of saying, you know what, I feel a little insecure and uh, I... I I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me, Doctor Doctor Todd. I want every man listening to this podcast right now to write that word down: insecure, because that word was never a part of my vocabulary. Talking to a woman, I feel insecure. That means I'm weak. It means you're real. Because it means I'm a sucker. Right, right. It's not. You don't want to be a sucker. Now you don't, but you know what? It comes out a different way. You start. Okay, your wife goes out. Your girlfriend goes out. You need her to Facetime you. 
You you give her a, a time to be back. If she's in the room talking to another guy for five minutes, you are harassing her up and down. Even that might be her job to market. Right. And 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 so your insecurities are bleeding out anyway. It's right. best to be able to say, hey, look, I'm a human being. I have real feelings. And when you're out and we're arguing and you don't check in with me or you deviate from the normal pattern, I, I feel a little insecure. I feel like I'm not sure what's going on. Now, isn't isn't it um, on the other side of that coin? We just discussed how we were raised to believe that, that that was that was being weak. Isn't it partly the way a woman was raised to to look at a man that you don't do that? You don't show weakness. You don't show an insecurity to them. And I think a lot of men are afraid that you're going to be looked upon at at from a woman from the from the viewpoint of a woman as being a punk. Oh, he too soft. I can't deal with him. Women definitely want you to have a backbone. But they also. Well, where does the line come between having a backbone and, and being considered a wuss they, with a woman? I'll tell you what they don't want is a man that can't communicate. They I can't talk to. It's like being in a relationship with a robot. It's like talking to the couch. It's like talking to the refrigerator. I need you to communicate verbally that you love me, that you care about me. I see something's going on with you. I need you to tell me. So wives listen to this. Girlfriends listen to this. They know exactly what's going on with their man. Mm. Their man goes home, and if he feels connected and safe with her and doesn't feel like she's going to use it against him, he would talk about everything that's going on from losing his mother to losing his grandmother to not sure what's going on at work to problems with the kids. He'll open up about everything. Mm. So I think the line is being able to be strong, uh, but also being able to say, this is how I feel. I feel this type of way so that you can talk about those feelings and move forward. The The worst type of couple to treat, the hardest to treat, is a couple that avoids conflict. They don't talk about it. Nothing's going on. Everything's cool. I'm just, I'm just mad. Why are you mad? Well, what's the point of talking about it? When you avoid conflict, you can't fix it. So for a man that never talks about his feelings, he is almost impossible to help because he won't be real about how he's really feeling. Meanwhile, his life is falling apart. And he's taking it out on people he doesn't even realize. Absolutely. That. So if you're irritable, you're going to take that irritability home. I mean, your wife can just simply ask, how was your day? And you just keep walking. And so now she's like, okay, I, I cooked your meal. I watched the kids. You can't even speak to me. And he's like, I don't need this right now. Right. You don't need what right now? And so now I don't need you on my back just because right, you I'm working I'm and she's like, I'm chilling. Leave me alone. And you know how disrespectful that is to a woman? You come in the house, you don't even acknowledge her. That's what women hate being ignored. Mm. And so now you have a problem that started at work or whatever it is, but now it's with your wife. And so guess what? Now the kids see it. Daddy, you should talk to my, hey, stay, keep you, keep you, stay in your place. Don't talk to the kids like that. They're just bringing up a point. So now you have a family issue. And you don't, so you're upstairs, you're trying to calm down. Are you supposed to take your daughter to the gymnast? Babe, could you do that? No, you don't speak to me. Why don't you, why don't you be more involved in your daughter's life? I'm just trying to rest. And so you never really get to the real issue is that, listen, at work they brought in this new person and it seems like they're getting ready to promote him over me. The fact that we can't say that causes four or five other problems versus one. Wow. Do you think, and I've heard somebody say this before and I wanted to get your opinion on it as a psychologist. Do you think a lot of black men and women, I don't want to leave the ladies out, a lot of black men and women suffer from same, some of the same symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder at, as, as soldiers? Because at. we see a lot of stuff growing up. You know, I can, uh, I was sitting next to Biggie at the Peterson Automotive Museum mm. 
when the lights came on. 15 minutes later, he was dead. I saw Tupac. I spoke to Tupac at the MGM Grand, and then half an hour later, he was shot up laying in the hospital. I can't tell you how many of my friends that have been killed since young, 22, 23, 24. It seems like at one point every other month I was going to somebody's funeral. I just lost a good friend that, that grew up across the street from me, Craig Tillman, to suicide. I lost Shakir Stewart to suicide. Mm. I lost Chris Lighty, who I used to live right mm -hmm. next door to, to suicide. Is it the, Are we going through that same stress disorder? Absolutely. So when you look at it, Stress. Right, so look at look at inner city neighborhoods where there's high crime. Think about Chicago right now, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Chirac. How many people that they see killed? Now, soldiers have to automatically go in to get PTSD assessments through the VA or private practitioners. But those same kids are seeing that the police come make their arrest, interrogate and they leave. But let me tell you what they're doing in Philadelphia. Anytime they come in in Philadelphia and there's any type of trauma, whether it's domestic violence or they make sure that everyone in the house gets treatment. And so what's happening is we have a lot of people, a lot of kids, a lot of adults watching these traumas happening and they're not getting any help. And then we wonder why people all of a sudden go off. But when you go in their background, and you start asking questions about what they've seen and what they've experienced. Absolutely, there's trauma, but not just uh, violence and suicide. There's emotional trauma. Ed, if you really want to talk about it, there are a number of men. I would, I would guess from experience one in three that have experienced some type of uh, abuse, witnessed domestic violence, been in some type of fight, been cheated on, been uh, insulted, uh, have mom issues, been abandoned by their dad, feel incompetent. You go on and on. The emotional shots that men have taken over their life, they might, some of them might be in the 5s, 10s to 20s. And we're carrying that, all that baggage around and, and wondering why we can't make things work. It's emotional trauma. Wow. I remember the first girl that broke up with me. I remember the first girl that broke my heart into shattered pieces. <laughs> Nikki Johnson, third grade. Barbara Ann Johnson, I was 19 years old, engaged to her, and walked into her apartment, which she had given me a key to, and found her in the bed with another man. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yours trumps mine. I was in third grade. When <laughs> but I missed school the next day, Ed. Right. I didn't go to school the next day. I love that girl. I love that girl something strong. I can remember you every You still remember one. her name. I still remember her. Every girl that's ever hurt me, I remember. I remember. And what do we do? We we, we take that and, and we we start drinking and we smoke and we get high. And, and sometimes harder drugs than that. Or... We take it out on who we're dating. I know it's going to get personal. Oh, my God. That was so me. So you Dr. Todd, it ahead. was so me. I had my middle finger up to every woman in the world. That's how the name Ed Lover came. I was like, fuck these bitches. Fuck everybody. And I was dating this one, this one, that one. And I was dating this girl. It was right at the time I was getting ready to do the auditions for MTV. Mm -hmm. And I was dating her and talking to her cousin. And she called me and was like, Ed, I can't stand you. You talking to my cousin? I was like, I'll do whatever I want to do. She's like, I hate you. You think you're a lover. And I was like, I am a lover. I'm Ed the lover. And banged the phone in her ear. And went upstairs and said to my mother, you know, I got this MTV audition. I think I'm going to use the name Ed the lover. And my mother was like, no, nah, I don't like Ed the lover. I like Ed lover. And that's how Ed lover came about. See, see we, we talk about women and their emotions. 
but they do a better job of actually dealing with pain. Yeah, he hurt me. He broke me. I'm crying. Tissue. Bring the girls over. They they're there to support her. But as men, we make a decision sometimes. I will never ever allow another woman to get that close to me to kill my emotions. Right. So guess what happened? You truck over other women. You take your pain out on the the next girl when she didn't do anything to you. Okay, so now you're messing her up because she just got into a relationship with you. And then she goes on to the next guy has trust issues. And that's where you see the self-fulfilling prophecy of hurting people, hurt people, hurt people. But when you but when you fall off the bicycle and you stay down and you realize this hurts and that girl hurt me, Nikki Johnson hurt me. You're able to move on to the next girl and say, all right, that hurt. This is what I went through and this is what I need from you. So you're able wow. to live to love Ed another day. I would like to publicly apologize to every woman that I dated after Barbara. Every woman that I shitted on, every woman that I treated poorly because I was hurt and I took it out on them. I didn't allow myself to feel. And I just left the barbershop talking to some of my friends and uh, I had you earlier on my on my radio show uh, with Radio 1 and we talked about the scale with men. And what you had said to me earlier about how we talked to each other in a previous interview, and you said you, we asked each other, how you doing? And we go, I'm all right. Right. And I, and I used one of the things that you told me, and I said on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest, how are you? What did they say? 6, 7. And then we opened up and started talking. That's, that's it. About our emotions. And it was always, I'm, I'm cool, I'm good. What's up with you? I'm good. That's that's what we think people are asking. It's kind of like saying, what's up? What's up? It's not really, how are you feeling? And then you would never go up to a man and say, how are you feeling? He'd look at you and say, what do you mean? I'm not, I'm not sick. But if you ask that scale, men will open up. And men like opening up. Men don't want to carry this stuff around. Who wants to sit in the room and feel irritable and grumpy and sad and depressed and feel like and numb? What you described was numb. There are a lot of men, especially soldiers, that go numb. So you get to the point where you've gotten hurt so many times, you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go numb. Mm. A lot of men smoke to get to that point. I just had this conversation with one of my friends, I don't want to say his name, I would never put his business out in the street, and he said that. He said, after a significant loss in my life, I went numb. And he's like, Ed, we just had a friend in Newark, New Jersey that got killed, a really good guy named Uggy. Uggy was, everybody in Newark knew Uggy. Nobody, Uggy wouldn't hurt a fly. Uggy was the kind of guy that showed up to the party and he danced and he had a good time and Everybody loved Uggy, and someone killed Uggy, and he just said to me, I don't even know how to cry about it. See, it, it, it works, but then it doesn't. So it works to keep you from feeling any pain, but it also works where you don't feel any joy. So you're numb. If you put something in the freezer and it's frozen, there's no feeling. And so a lot of men do that, but here's what happens, and this is like the trauma. You cannot keep that drawer of feelings locked. It takes a lot of energy not to think about something. So you have to constantly fill your life with distractions. But there are triggers that happen to where your wife can say something, your man can say something, your friend can say something, something can happen, and then you that door comes out, all the stuff in the closet falls out, and it looks like you're spazzing out. It looks like you're losing it. But if you know the backstory, all that stuff was dying to come out. 
So when you start talking about pain, all right, pain is like a dancer. Pain has to dance. It has to come out. When we feel pain, if you don't let it out, it's going to increase. So you're not going to be able to sleep. You're going to be agitated. You're going to have to do things to keep you from thinking about what you don't want to think about, which I think is really behind the substance abuse in black men, mm-hmm. to be honest. They don't want to think about something. All right. And so or what happened, this is what we see with a lot, a lot of black men. They want someone to say something to them so they can have a reason to let their pain out. You ever seen two guys arguing? One guy's like, nah, I don't want it. And he's like, nah, you're going to get it. Yeah. He, he wants to let his pain out. And so when pain dances, either either it, it pounds on you internally until you can't take it anymore and you have to open up. Or it will put you in relationships or in situations where other people around you make your pain come out because they push the right buttons. Right. They say the right thing. And then you got the gun in the car or whatever or on your way so you quick to pull it and kill another black man Then you go into the prison system and you sit there and you go into a therapy session and you realize. In in prison. prison. Now, that's the key now. The number one employer of psychologists, prisons. You can get all the mental health for free in prisons. Now, out there in the marketplace, deductibles, it's, it's a game. Right. But when you start talking about how many men talk about pain when they're locked up, but at that point, it's too late. And, there, and, and women can identify with this. When you feel like your life is pain, guess who you date? Pain. Pain attracts pain. Pain attracts pain. And that's when you see, and the court see this all Men the time. Men and women, both listen up. Pain attracts pain. So you have to be able, and so as a man, you have to be able to admit that you have pain. Therefore, you're in control of releasing the pain. This hurt. Nikki Johnson, hurt. Uh, Ex-girlfriend, hurt. When she did this, I felt like I would be the one to break up with her. I didn't know that she was going to break up with me. And then I have to look at social media with this other dude. Oh. Oh, my goodness. And then the pictures and then the cousins and then she got married. And then uh, look at the car. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just stuff that that we see. So, but if you admit that, that's manly to say, "Yeah, you know what? That hit me. It didn't kill me, but it wounded me." And why, I can, Doctor Talk. Why can't we do that? We, we do it after something bad has happened. Have we been so conditioned not to feel that we're ruined? I don't think we're ruined, but I don't think anyone has uh, ever had conversation that dealing with pain is manly. So what's the harder thing to do? Keep your pain in or talk about it? It's talking about it. Right. Being able to admit that you have pain is hard. And so the harder thing to do is usually the manlier of the two. But I think we've gotten that reversed. And I also don't think that we see enough uh, images in the media or in our family of men expressing emotion. But there is nothing, nothing Sexier to a woman, in my opinion, than a man is able to express his emotions. Mm. Now, he doesn't. It's not every day. I mean, he's not. It's <laughs> not melodramatic every day. Every single right? day. But he's able. How to are say, you today, honey? Yeah, it's not every not, day. It's not that every day. But he's able to say, hey, he's able to say how he. Here's the recipe. He's able to say what he feels, succinct and to the point about what it is and then what he needs. So, hey, babe. You know, I feel like I'm spending too much time alone. I feel lonely when you work all the time. And I need I need us to talk because I'm beginning to to miss you. I need that in my life. Can you do that for me, babe? Mm-hmm. Having that conversation versus just being quiet. Is, and, then, and then quiet turns to anger because you get inside your own brain. And you start thinking of things. You're doing this to me. You're, you, but you never expressed anything. And so we need a script. 
We need a script. So I'm going to tell you the story. So I went to this training in Tampa. It was on PTSD and couples. So it was basically dealing with uh, really alpha males that had dealt with a lot of trauma. One was a former drug dealer turned mentor, and the other one was a um, a Marine who was uh, deployed to Bahrain. Anyway, so he comes back, and his wife is saying, so she's, she opens up about how she feels, and he says, so what do you think? He says, I got it. She says, okay. What do you think? He says, I got it. And then she says, I know you I know you got it, but how do you feel? He says, I don't know what you freaking want me to say. I got it. And so the therapist hand him, hands him a list of emotions, all right? And he says, okay, I feel uh, embarrassed. I feel insecure. I feel inadequate. And I feel like I'm a piece of crap. I got it. I get what you're saying. I can't even make you happy. Mm. And so without that list... He didn't know how to say the feelings, but they were right there. And she was able to respond to his feelings like, well, hold up, hold up. I, I know that you, you know, you get jealous at times, but what do you mean you feel inadequate? I've never heard you say that. He was like, all you do is talk about what I can't do, what I'm, what I'm not able to do. You talk, you compare me with your father, but I'm not your father. And even though I never really say it and I get mad and I go off and I leave, that makes me feel ashamed. And I feel like I'll never measure up because my dad wasn't in my life. I don't know how to do this. I feel like I'll never make you happy and everything I do is wrong. And then I go and do stuff wrong, like cheat on you. And then I just become the guy I want to be. So mm. I get it. Wow. And so from that, now they were able to talk. She was like, well, what, what do I say that makes you feel inadequate? Every time you compare me to your father, that makes me feel inadequate. And she says, okay, I'll stop. Wow. And he was like, oh, well, damn, give me this list of emotions again. <laughs> because when I get home, we just get into a stalemate. Right. Or you, maybe two or three rounds, and you feel like, I can't, I can't. Nothing is working. Yeah. We're we on this wheel again, and I can't get off this wheel I again. don't know what you want me to say. And, and the woman's trying to get him to open up. But meanwhile, their marriage, the relationship is falling apart. But really, it's not that he won't. Is that I can't. I, I've never been taught emotions. I, I, these words on this paper, I've never used these words before. I've never used I feel worthless. I've, I've never said that. I felt it. Right. I've, ne I've never felt worthless. Uh, I've never said that I felt worthless, but I know my dad is not around. And then he goes and have a relationship with uh, other kids. This is not me. My father's always been in my life. But other kids. And I have to see it on Facebook. That does something to me. On Father's Day when my father does not call me. I'm supposed to be okay with that? Right. And I never, you, men never talk about that. We never talk about that. But it's that. right there. Yeah, we never talk about that. And is this, is black mental health just important as physical health? You know, they're linked. So uh, there are a lot of men that we know that work out religiously. Uh, we know that working out improve, it decreases the um Rates of depression. Okay. Anyone with a depression diagnosis, the doctors pretty much told them, you need to exercise. All right? And we know that lower rates of testosterone make men more prone to depression. Mm -hmm. So you have to physically work out to feel better. And then you also have to be able to realize that there's only a certain amount of stress you can handle. And when you get to that point, you have to open up about it. Okay. Let's talk solutions now. All right. What can we do to change this all right, number one, when your wife says, I think we should go to counseling, you need to say, okay. You need to say, okay, because she knows you. She sees you, and she has this ability to be able to know where you are. 
And when you ignore the person in your life trying to throw up a red flag, you get worse. So when your wife says, I think you should go talk to someone about it. You need or to your listen. girlfriend. Or, or your, your girlfriend. girlfriend. But here's the thing, though, ladies. You can't say, you know what? You're crazy. You need to go get help. <laughs> or, you know, you have issues. You need to go get help because then that implies that you're crazy. Instead, you say, hey, listen, babe. All right. I think you need to go get some coaching around this stress. You seem stressed out. Why don't you go talk to a stress coach? Why don't you go talk to someone about your stress? Men can handle that. They can admit, okay, I'm stressed. Right. And then once you get them in there, they're open. So I think, one, listen to your wife when she says, let's go get counseling or you go get counseling. Uh, Number two, realizing that part of manhood is acknowledging your pain. We talked about earlier that there was a a lyric by CeeLo and Goody Mob. He said, well, pain is for soldiers to feel. The treatment for PTSD is for men to open up about what really hurt them. The treatment. So you get the soldiers, you make them talk about it. Police officers can't get their gun back until they talk about how they felt disarming their firearm. Soldiers have to go through PTSD treatment to talk about the people that they killed. Otherwise, you take that home. So the more you talk about it, the more you start to feel emotions. And that's when a lot of men start to shut down. There are a lot of men that come in and get ready to cry, and then they stop. And I say, no, 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 no. You're about to have a breakthrough. You're about to have. You're about to be able to be stronger than your pain by releasing it. What you can't release controls you. And usually, when you say that, men just open up and say, "Man, I've been feeling worthless since I was a child. Mm. Or I've been feeling inadequate for a long time, and I don't want to feel that way because I end up. I'm hypersensitive." If my wife was like, no, never mind, I'll just call a plumber. Don't you ever disrespect me like that. She just, and she's like, all I did was say call a plumber. Don't you ever call another man to come in, but you don't know how to, pl- you don't know how to do the plumbing. Might be just a don't, don't ever call another man. To do what I'm supposed to do as What's a What's underneath that? You just tap that inadequacy button. Wow. You just tapped into you're not worthy. You can't do it. And so if she doesn't understand what she's dealing with, you just seem crazy. She doesn't right. understand what's underneath that. And then three. Now, open it up to other men. I mean, we have to change the language, as you just said, and stop asking your friends, you good, man? How you doing? You good leads him to say yes. All right? You good? Yes, I'm good. You just told me I'm good. <laughs> so the, next time you see your friends, your male friends, or women, if you're talking to your man, your son, your father, ask him on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being high, 1 being low, how are you doing? He's going to open up and tell you. And then this is what you do next. You ask him, okay. What would take you from a five to a seven, from a seven to a nine? You're really leading him to talk about what will make him happier. Mm -hmm. And so when men have that language, which is positive, we're moving you towards more power. They're they're more likely to open up Mm. Uh, just quickly. They brought me in to do some work. Uh, with the NBA when they realized their players were getting younger and younger and younger, 18, 19, 20. And and the player development reps, which were on each team, was saying, you know, we keep asking our guys if they're okay, and they always say yes, but then we have these problems in the newspaper, we have these problems in the locker room, we can't get them to open up. And I taught them that one to to 10 scale, and they called me back and says, oh, my goodness, we've had to expand our wellness program because when men opened up, we were not prepared for what they had to say. It is a different language when you're talking to a man about how he feels. Mm. So just change the language. Change the language. So right now, uh, what a lot of people are talking about out there is what's going on with Kanye West. Okay. Uh, I know you haven't sat down with Kanye West and clinically talked to him, but from the outside looking in, what do you see going on with him right now? 
Well, it sounds like from the reports that he had a psychotic break. Now, so, explain to everybody what a psychotic break all is. All right, so a psychotic break is where you lose touch with reality. And so when you start talking about his rant at the end of that concert, uh, at the end of the concert about Jay-Z sending shooters and things not making sense, that's a psychotic break. Or what you're saying is not real, but in your mind it is real. And it happens when you really get stressed. And what could be going on, like I said, Kanye, they're not going to release his actual diagnosis, but it sounds a lot like bipolar disorder. All right, you can have bipolar bipolar disorder with psychotic features. Mm. And so what happens is when you get to the point where you're so stressed out, and in Kanye's case, you become manic and you work around the clock. You don't sleep. You say you only need four hours of sleep. You continue to work. You have tour dates and you try to push through things. And then eventually you break because your mind is saying your pain is real. And the more you try to deny it, the more you take yourself away from reality. He was hospitalized on the anniversary of losing his mom. Right. That's not ironic. He has to deal with that grief. And so I believe that his mania could be an attempt to not think about pain. Or not deal with it. Not or have so it. many things on his on his plate that he feels like he can't take a break and he has to push through and I have to do this and I have to do that. So what happens? People confront you. They confront you. You know, you have Kanye slow down. Kanye, something's wrong. Kanye, you seem a little different. You know people are saying. And so what's he have to do? Retreat further and further away from reality to be able to defend it. And there probably is some type of family history. You know, bipolar runs in family. Depression oh, wow. runs in family. But we don't talk about it that way. We just say, you know what? Mom had a nervous breakdown. You know what? My dad uh, just went and murdered someone. I don't know. When we look behind it. There were mental health issues the whole time. Right. My dad was just a little off. Well, there's a lot of people out there saying that this is part of the quote unquote Kardashian effect, that those Kardashian women ruin every man they put their hands on. You know, so you'll be negative conspiracy theorists. I'll be positive. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. It could be that the Kardashian women attract troubled men. So when we when we look at it, Kanye had issues before he got with her. Oh, I mean, yes, you listen he did. to his music, you hear all of the issues. I think that's his therapy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that they have a tendency to attract troubled men. Look who's by his bedside right now. His wife. It's Kim Kardashian. If he weren't married, do you think that a random woman or a side woman would be there in the hospital next to him as he's falling apart? So he has a wife that's orchestrating that treatment, mm -hmm. that's that's getting the best doctors in the world that I just read today uh, online that she's she's stopping him from bringing musical equipment in because he's still emotionally and physically exhausted and not doing any better, according to the you know, to the reports and that he needs to heal. So she's there by his side. Who was there by Lamar's side after he OD'd? Right. I'm just simply saying. Yeah, Chloe went out for him. Bruce Jenner had gender identity issues, he said, when he was in the Olympics. He just felt like, how can I be on the front of a Wheaties box and feeling like I don't like being a man when everyone is paying me to be an alpha male? So it to could be a be, super alpha male. Could be that they just attract troubled people. Right. That's my positive conspiracy theory. That's <laughs> and there are a lot of people like that. Right. Where you know, There are a lot of women out there like that. I always I always tell women, if you keep attracting the same type of dude, maybe it's time for you to look into the mirror and say, what is it about me? What am I doing that I'm attracting this kind of person that's not good for me? Oh, can I answer that? Go ahead. All right. So this is what I see a lot. Women that 
over everything, over their looks, over all their qualities. If they say their number one quality is that they are healer, that they are a fixer, guess who they attract? Men that need to be fixed because it's their go-to card. That's what I do. And so you, this, is, this is common with psychologists, nurses, ministers, uh, teachers. They attract people that need help. It, it makes sense. So you know how they say opposites attract? People that fix attract people that need to be fixed. But the problem is when the fixer wants the person to get fixed to give them something, they look at them like, that's not, that's not me. That's not what we both that's not do. What, I'm that's, the one that needs fixing. Right. I don't You're do here that. to fix me. I realized that at one point in my life, Dr. Tart, that I had the broken, I call it the broken bird syndrome. Every woman that I attracted that I went after was the ones I felt like I can fix her. I can help her. I can take that little bird that you found sometime when you were a kid, that little sparrow with the hurt wing, and put it in the box and make it all better. But it wasn't helping me. But you're a fixer. You probably have a long history of being a fixer and a helper and the people that are around you. Your identity. You beat your chest. Call me. I got you. I'll do it. You don't need, people don't even volunteer. You come in and say, I got it. Don't pay for that. Or I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll help you do that. And so guess who you attract? People that need help. How does this man know me so well? Well, we're, we're very similar. <laughs> very, very similar. So healers, helpers attract the help. Right. It's you have a sign up saying, I will help you. Guess who comes? Right. People that need help. And for a long time, until I caught it, until a therapy friend, until yeah. another psychologist called me out on it, I had to say, you know, from now on, I'm not going to date women that need help. I'm going to date another helper. My wife is another helper. Yeah. People call her all the time. Yeah, I, so always so I always joke. I always joke. I said, y'all want some real advice? You can talk to me <laughs> after my wife is done. Right. But they call her, and so she's able to help me, and I'm able to help her. Right. And that's what I finally married. Somebody that's able to help me, and I'm able to help them. Because forever, that was who I was. I wanted to help. I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you. And then I realized that when I needed them, they weren't even equipped to help me. Yeah. So the lesson is you have to have requirements. If I'm going to help you, you have to help me too. Right. And a lot of, a lot of times that'll end the conversation right there. Where people say, I'm not in a position. If a man's not in a position to help you, a lot of times he's not going to want to date you. He's like, I, I'm trying to get myself together. Mm -hmm. So we have to date other helpers. That's going to set a lot of people free that don't understand why they keep different names, same issue. Wow. Date another helper. Date another helper, ladies. Date another helper, gentlemen. Y'all hear us out here talking to Dr. Tart right here on the Come On, Son. It's the podcast. That's what we're talking about today. Why is America so, so, so against mental health? They don't treat it the way we treat physical health, and we need it. You said America or Black America? Black America and let's talk. Uh, let's start uh, with Black America. All right, all right. okay. Because White America, they open about going to therapy. They are open. Matter of fact, yeah, you always hear somebody on the sitcom and say, "Oh, my therapist said this. My therapist said that." But we can't say my therapist. They have mental health ministries in most Caucasian churches. Okay. It's open it's the fact that there's a stigma there's a stigma attached i think in the black community uh to getting help i don't i don't think enough psychologists get he the platform crazy. like like you're providing me right now to be able to say what well, you know what he's making a lot of sense i i get what he's he's saying so in, in black america i think sometimes we think 
if I go see a therapist, that means that I'm weak. But at the same time, we don't have the conversation and say, I'm not doing well and it's affecting and breaking my family. A broken man breaks the marriage. He breaks the family. Then the community is broken. There's a statistic that shows that when uh, the percentage of men, especially black men in the neighborhood, drops below 11 percent, crime spikes. All right. So there's there's a number. So when you have more men in the community, people don't commit crimes because they're able they're out there. Uh, they are able to pull the wayward young man to the side and say, hey, what's going on? Are they outside watching people play? They're supervising if there's a problem. And so crime goes goes down. And so as men, we just have to make sure that in black America that we say that therapy is manly. It's manly to go talk about your feelings. It's, it's manly to show that you have feelings. You're going to show it anyway. It's whether you want to show it in a healthy way or you want to show it in a dysfunctional way. And do you want to show it in a time and where you can fix yourself and then fix your family? Or do you want to wait and let everything go to crap, get arrested, lose your wife, become disconnected from your kids, and then all of a sudden you have a breakdown, you get hospitalized like Kanye did, and now you're getting a therapy. He's getting 24-hour therapy right now. If he were able uh, to get therapy before, hopefully he could have avoided this breakdown as well as Kid Cudi, as well as Lil Wayne, as well as Gucci Man, who you see apparently is doing a lot better after getting mental health counseling in jail, I'm guessing, getting married, seeming happy, going vegan. That didn't sound very old Gucci Man to me. Mm-mm. All right. He that ain't sound like lemon pepper wing Gucci to us. I don't know. I just conjecture, but I would imagine because we know what happens in jails, you get mental health treatment. That's what he got. Mm. So I think we have to change the conversation to realize and normalize uh, talking about feelings as something that's strong and manly and healthy. Thank you, Dr. Thank you, Dr. Tart, psychologist, mental health expert, contributor for Black Enterprise, Essence Magazine, been on ABC, Nightline, VH1, TV1, BET, CNN, and Headline News. You've been on everything. God is good, man. Give me a platform. <laughs> Thank you very it. much. How can people find you? All right, you can go to my website, drtart.com. That's D-R-T-A-R-T-T.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at drtart. That's D-R-T-A-R-T-T. And, and just a resource, you can go to psychologytoday.com if you're looking for a therapist and you can look at all the profiles. Most therapists will give you a free consult and you can see who takes your insurance and whatnot. So psychologytoday.com, if you've convinced you need to go in and talk to someone, man up and deal with your issues so that they don't affect your family, you can get all the help that you need right there. Thank you, Dr. Tom. Anytime. I appreciate it, Ed. Thank you. <laughs> This has been an Ed Lover production produced by Kimana Paulus and Krista Hayes, recorded at Mean Street Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is hosted on the Loudspeakers Network.